All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I hate to break the fishing news up here, Amchuk, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations. You're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for, like, an orgasm. Might want to mark that down. Yep. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. About as funny as we're going to get today. (laughs) Welcome in. Nation Real Life Podcast. It's our Thursday edition. I'm Tyler Uremchuk. We got a bit of a shortened staff today, or shortened squad. No Wanye, no Chalmers, but Jay is here. Bag Milk is here. As always, this podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Japa Machinery. They didn't ask me anything on their Instagram the other day. Uh, go check it out. They had some pretty cool answers in there, including uh, like they, they ranked or had the coolest projects they ever worked on. Roger's Place was included in there. Thought that was super neat. Uh, but always check out our friends over at Japa doing great stuff with big equipment. And now I bring in a couple men who are also doing great stuff with big equipment. That's a creepy intro, but bag milk. Jay, how are you guys doing? Loaded statement. Doing great. <laughs> yeah, I'd also question uh, me doing good stuff with my big equipment. <laughs> uh, another week in isolation for the real life gang. So we are on FaceTime again, and uh, we we talked, the three of us actually talked about this yesterday, but with us being in isolation and everyone on the phone, we are making an attempt, and this is something that will make me happy and Wanye not so happy, to get this podcast a little more structured. So we're bringing back some segments, and uh, that starts today a little bit later on in the podcast. We're bringing back Keeping It 100. You you got a rant in you there, Tyler? I do. Normally this would be... This would normally be Chalmers' time to shine, mm-hmm. but he's not here today. He's got things going on with a real job. I am curious to see what kind of anger you've got bubbling up in you. I actually, <laughs> I have a couple of them. Um, so I'm going to... Well, act- we might have to keep it 102 then. 
Yeah, I might need to go twice, or maybe I need to save one for next week. But uh, I got a couple that I have locked and loaded. We'll see uh, which one I go with. Um, but I, me personally, I like the idea of having some more segments, uh, just just kickstarting more conversations. I think uh, this podcast loves to get off the rails. I love when it gets off the rails. But as I always say, it needs to be on the rails to start. Do you though? Your mouth said you like it, but I know your heart says something else. You guys are looking part at me of this podcast charm. Sorry, part part of this podcast charm is that it does get off the rails, but it's uh, it's it's also nice to to, to let it do that. But you know, also kind of you know have some elements that people can rely on every week that they're going to hear from us, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can deliver and keep that structure on the rails for you, Tyler. We're going to be keeping it 100. Brought to you by Nation Beer. We'll have a Nation Beer update a little bit later on in the podcast. And uh, Mondays, we're going to do listener questions. We're going to kind of open up like we do on the site, um, Monday Mailbag here, where you can hit us up on Instagram or Twitter, shoot us a DM, comment on a photo, whatever you need. And uh, we'll be answering your questions. And when we talked about this yesterday, I mean, if it's a hockey question for myself or Bag Milk, a business question for Jay or Wanye, or maybe you're doing a home reno, like I kind of am, and you have big questions for Chalmers, uh, this podcast can cover a lot of ground when it comes to listener questions. So I'm excited for that. We're here to help, whatever that help looks like, but it's here. Yeah, and it may not be the best advice, but it will definitely be advice. Exactly. I'm, uh, I'm feeling lonely right now because, Jay, you're driving while we're doing this. Bag Milk's camera is off, so I'm on the FaceTime just looking hey, at buddy. myself. Um, but, yeah, we got, a, we got a bunch of topics to get to today. Um, and you know what? Maybe we'll start with this. Uh, the Michael Jordan documentary is uh, creating a lot of buzzer. It's the whole documentary of that Bulls team. Uh, it's called The Last Dance. It's going to air on a streaming service in the next week or so here. But it's supposed to be like the unvarnished truth, exactly what happened following that Bulls team sort of step for step throughout that entire season. So my question is, if you guys could get the straight-up 100% truth, if you could be in the walls, in the locker room, doing a full-on documentary about any team in Oilers history, which team would it be? And I'll start with you, Bag Milk. I know I'm not giving you a ton of time to think about this one. Like, I have three or four in my head, but I want to know, like, what's the first team that kind of jumps to the front of your brain? So, I, at first, when you first mentioned this before we started, my, my initial thought was to go back to the 80s teams. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of remembered, I've seen boys on the bus a whole bunch of times. So I feel like, I mean, it, it's not going to be, uh, you know, a multi-part series like the Jordan thing will be. But I think that I want to change gears. I want to go to a team like maybe the 97 Oilers team that beat Dallas in game seven. Do you know what I mean? They were such an underdog team that nobody expected them to win that. And then Todd Marchand goes out and scores that infamous goal in overtime to send them through. That'd be super interesting. Or if I'm selfish and I want to know about my boy Nuge and Connor McDavid, I'd also love to know about the team that got the Oilers back into the playoffs for the first time in more than a decade from 2017. I'd love to see how that whole run came together, all the bits and pieces in the dressing room, what it's like having Connor as, you know, as the captain, the first year as, as at Rogers place, all of that stuff would be super interesting to me. JD of a take yeah, on that one team. Yeah. Well, like, like, yeah, like the eighties Oilers would be, so interesting to see because this is pre-social media 
this is when the media is partying with the team. So all the secrets are kept secret. Like those guys, like you hear whispers of stories of how wild they were uh, during, you know, when they're just crushing Stanley Cup. That like, to me, like, it, like, yeah, we see boys on the bus, but that is so sanitized. Like, it would be unreal to see how crazy of a time these guys had. Because you hear rumblings of, like, they were animals. And it would be wild to see that. But if I wanted to go uh, a little bit more uh, new era, it would probably be the 06 team. Because that was a team that had, like, young and old. So the young were, like, the Raffi Torreses and the Jared Stoles. And I know those guys were living their best lives out on the town, but it would be interesting to see like how that whole room dynamic was evolving while they kept getting deeper and deeper into the playoffs. Cause the Oilers went from a team like we signed Pronger and Pekka going into that year. Crazy news. Like I thought that was the craziest thing to happen in Oilers history at the time. And uh, <clears throat> you know, we squeak into eight spots. So like, Kind of how, like watching how the room and the team starts like gelling throughout the season and finds itself right at the right time and gets hot on a long playoff run. And then also for the cherry on top, I would love to know the real reason why Pronger left. That would be spicy because, you know, like obviously anybody who's been a long-term Oilers fan or a hardcore, hardcore knows all the rumors we're not going to get into. But like that, I would love to know what went down there. I would also, I would also love to see um, more in depth. If we're looking at 2006, more in depth on some of the moves that Kevin Lowe made yeah. that year, bringing oh. in old tricky Dick Tarnstrom, old spot check Samsonov at the deadline, Rolly. Like, there's so many big moves there that I would love to have been a fly on the wall just to kind of hear the genesis of how those all worked out. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Like figuring out like when or how he got the green light to go all in because like. Those were fucking like multiple moves and huge moves that he made. I think that might be the most interesting part. Like, and wouldn't that be a cool like start to a documentary on that team? If you have like the war room footage of Kevin Lowe sitting there with all his scouts and other executives being like, we're going all in, like we're going to make this move for pronger. And like, you know, you think back, I you remember that clip that's now gone viral of like Shirelli when he's trading Tyler Sagan, right? It's like that, but in reverse, like, were there, would there be any executives who were like, we can't do this, it's too risky, or something like that be right? The war room footage of, like, even the trade deadline acquiring Rollison, um, being inside the locker room as they built up down that run down the stretch. The 06 team would be incredibly fascinating. Because they, like, just thinking about, again, going into the war rooms, they traded, the Oilers traded a first-round pick for Rollison that year, and I remember thinking at even at the time as a 21 year old or whatever i was like wow they're trading a first round pick for a goalie in his late 30s or mid to late 30s and you're just like what's going on so the footage about how that came in and maybe like you said tyler maybe there were scouts that said i don't know if you want to trade a pick that high for a goalie we don't even know if we're going to get in and all that kind of thing it'd be amazing incredible yeah and like you said you're getting the 100 percent truth here which is something that'd be interesting with that 80s team like anyone who's lived in Edmonton for a duration of their lives has heard rumors about that club and all that stuff. And like to get the 100% answers on that would just be, it would be probably be mind blowing. Um, and same thing with that. 016. Like you mentioned Pronger leaving, but not just him, like all of those free agents who kind of dipped out after that one year, like what was the story behind a lot of those guys? What was that team like 
in the room. Like you always hear stories and I'm not saying this is the case at all, but like the Oakland A's of the eighties who are eighties and nineties who like some of those teams fucking hated each other. Like they would just fight in the clubhouse and they couldn't stand each other. Like throughout any of these Oilers teams, like you would get to see all of that shit. You'd get to see blowups in the room that were like never made public and all that. Um, but Oh six would definitely be great. How about this? If you want blowups in the room and chaos, what about the Dallas Aikens season? Oh, that'd be great. Like, that, that year and change that he was around would have been fantastic. Because first it starts off with him benching Nail Yakupov. Yeah. Right? And then the whole water thing with Taylor Hall later on in the season, taking away the ping pong table that had been there for decades, all of that stuff would be fantastic. Yeah, like the yeah, whole Aikens era. Sorry, go ahead, Jay. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry, and I'd like to be a fly on the wall in the... Uh, in, in 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 the draft room leading up to the Yakupov pick. Yeah. Well, that's... I, you see, you know, that kind of, I've been thinking about that recently because Brian Burke did an interview on Spit and Chicklets where he talked about uh, one of their scouts, he was in Toronto at the time, saying that he only, almost wanted to fight Yak for how bad his interview was. But I also feel a little bit like we're rewriting history a at times when it comes to the 2012 draft, because he was at the time, the consensus number one. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. And Burke in that same interview, like I think this is revisionist history with Burke and he goes in that interview on spit and chiclets and he's like, Oh, I never tell a story unless it's true. But he says they wouldn't have taken Yakupov, even if he was there at fifth because they worst draft interview ever, blah, blah. And then he goes, yeah, and, you know, we had Morgan Riley as our number one prospect in that entire draft, and we were lucky to get him at five. And it's like, did you really have Morgan Riley as your number one prospect, or are you just sitting here trying to sound like the smartest guy in the room because, oh, yeah, we picked him at five, and he was ranked number one, and we hated Yakupov from day one. We never thought he'd be good. Like, to me, this streak, this reeks of Brian Burke, like, stroking his own ego. Well, and there's, sure. like, again, like, I remember very clearly – that draft was all about Yakupov or Ryan Murray. Like those were the top two choices. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I, I just feel, especially with 2012, because there aren't a whole lot of players in that top chunk of the draft that really, really panned out. Uh, I just feel that there's so much revisionist history in terms of that one specifically. You know, the first overall pick is like being dealt pocket aces in poker. Like it's fucking a gift and a curse. Um, and yeah, you're forced to pick the best player available, but I honestly, I would take a lot of waiting in those interviews. And if Nail Yakupov interviewed horrifically, I would, I would use that as a strike against in terms of translating his ability in junior into ability at the NHL level. But, but I, I also wonder too, like, was there also some kind of lost in translation moments in there? Because if, if you remember when Yak came in, he barely spoke English. Yeah. So was there some kind of Russian translation that was going on in there, Russian to English, or just he was trying to answer in English? I don't know. I just remember Yakupov is like one of the sweetest kids in the community ever when he was here. So it's almost, it's, it's like, it's like a weird thing to think of him saying anything in a scouting interview that would cause a scout to want to fight him. <laughs> and also the point I saw made on this was like, Yakupov was sort of, like you said, the consensus one, and if he wasn't one, he was going two. No one had him dropping further than two. Why were the Leafs interviewing this guy? 
Like that might have been part of it. Jakob oh. might have been like, I'm very busy. Why do I have to sit in this room for an hour while Brian Burke grills me about my fucking eating habits and how much I pass the puck in junior? Like he might have just been like a little ticked off of that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but like some insight into why that draft interview may have gone so sideways. So maybe you want to trade up. Yeah, I guess maybe, but uh, ah, man, just back to the point. If you could have, again, been a fly on the wall for the Oilers draft interviews with Yak and they're in the war room when they're debating who to take. And I mean, there's always that rumor going around that, you know, Daryl Kate said, you're taking Yakubov, you're taking the exciting goal scorer. We would find out if that's true in this, in this hypothetical. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think the Taylor or Tyler debate probably would have been super interesting from 2010 as well. They're, like I remember that one coming down to the wire and having no idea who the Oilers were going to take up until the point when they went up onto the stage. Yeah, I, I didn't know what I was cheering for. I didn't. I think I was actually leaning towards the GAN. I think I was too, actually. I think I remember going back to then. Granted, I was, you know, fairly young, but I remember thinking and reading stuff and like, they need the center. You take the center. You always take a franchise center. Mm-hmm. I'm um, going back to that draft too. After Hall and Sagan, things uh, things fell off in a hurry for those teams. Like Eric Goodbranson went third. Uh, Ryan Johansson was actually a fine player who ended up going fourth. Nino Niederreiter got good, but it take him took him two trades to get there. Brett Connolly, sort of the same thing. Like Alex Burmistrov went in that top ten. Dylan McElrath hasn't even played a full season in the league, and I don't think ever will hey, now at this he point. He played for the Moose Jaw Warriors. I love Dylan McElrath. He was. Yeah, I was just actually looking at that. A good Moose Jaw boy. Um. Uh, yeah, like he, shit. a lot of uh, revisionist history sort of with that 2012 draft. But back to the point, I think getting a chance to follow around that Yakupov Aikens era team with Hall and like that would have been the year where, you know, Eric Belanger was like saying shit in the media, right? About how like Yakupov should be sliding. Like there was the slide down the ice. Like that whole event would have been fascinating as well. Um, I think that team, it honestly might be my answer just because there's so many interesting storylines that would come out of it. Well, and then you would get the little snippet of the Todd Nelson a couple months where, the, yeah. where he just came in and just like, he would be out every, like, you'd hear stories of him out in public every night just having like beers and he was just on a vacation and he got the room so loose that the team actually started playing good. I always thought it was a massive mistake that, I know we're getting deep into Oilers talk on a, on the Real Life podcast, but I always felt like it was a mistake that Todd Nelson never gotten an, an NHL look here in Edmonton. I did too, especially with the way that, um, the way, like Jay just said, with the way that that season ended, because it almost seemed like once they started to get loose and once Todd Nelson started doing his thing, that maybe they could build upon that the following year, but obviously not meant to be. How about one of the, the I was thinking about this the other day as well, one of the forgotten stories of that era is when Mac T was on the bench. Remember that for a couple oh, of games? Yeah. <laughs> when, he, oh, yeah. when he babysat Todd Nelson? That was the best. Mac T coming out of the press box to survey on the bench. I loved it. He was there for, what, three, four games or something? It was so funny. Peak Oilers, that was. Oh, yeah. That's not complete because uh, who did that? Bob Murray did that in Anaheim, right, where he, he decided he was like, fuck it, I'm going to coach this team. And he did both jobs. He he decided to actively coach the team for the rest of the year to like get a read on his room and shit. I always think that's completely insane. I think the Devils did that this year as well. Didn't they, like send Tom Fitzgerald onto the bench or something like that to like babysit their head coach before they fired him? Uh, yeah, I think something like something that. And, like I, that. I, and I've got visions of like Lou Lamorello being a coach too. I'm still waiting for the uh, Slapshot-esque player coach after somebody gets fired. I still, I'm still waiting to see that. 
Fuck, Connor McDavid should be the player coach for Christ's sakes. Yeah, just give Tip a couple of days off and Connor runs the show. Well, actually, yeah, I can't shit on Tip. I fucking love Tip. Yeah, if this was uh, if this was a few years ago, maybe we'd uh, we'd get away with saying that. But just talking about Todd Nelson, that was weird. How like when that season ended, Nelson and McTavish were the duo, and they basically got the short end of the stick because the Oilers won the lottery and then immediately flipped into the what we thought was going to be the dynamic duo of McClellan and Shirelli. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Even just when uh, Peter Shirelli got hired, I remember being so nervous because I had seen that clip of trading Sagan. And then as it turns out, you know, he hadn't learned a whole lot. And he never will. Um, we're about 20 minutes into the real life podcast. Jay, Tyler, Rumchuck, bagged milk here. Uh, before we get into keeping it 100, an interesting thing popped up online. It seems like, I don't know if bromance is the right word, but something's uh budding here between Alex Ovechkin and Wayne Gretzky. And they're going to play like an NHL tournament against each other. Then they're going to do, uh, you were saying bagged milk, some sort of like sit down interview with just the two of them as well. This is cool. Yeah, so um, I just covered this at OilersNation.com. Gretzky and Ovi on April 22nd will be doing a best of three battle in NHL 20. They're going to stream it through the Capitals Twitch account. And the whole goal of this is to raise money for both the Edmonton Food Bank and Washington's Feed the Frontlines, which also provides meals for those in need. So it's also it's for a great cause. But like you said, Tyler, they've got a little budding bromance going on. And uh, on the 20th, they are going to be sit- sitting down for kind of an at-length discussion as part of the Hockey From Home campaign that's going on right now. And they're going to talk about Ovechkin's pursuit of Gretzky's goal record. They're going to talk about when Gretzky sent Ovi, and I love this, by the way, mm-hmm. when Gretzky sent Ovi one of those classic silver Eastons from the 90s after he won uh, the Stanley Cup a couple years ago in Washington. Um, and it's just super cool to see two of the best ever, uh, kind of joining. And of course, Gretzky is so magnanimous and so gracious in terms of his record. Whereas I personally would be selfish and being like, I don't want anybody to touch my records, but Gretzky sees it as good for the game. So it's just really interesting to see two of the best that ever played kind of building a relationship and using that to further the game. I like it. What if, uh, what if in this NHL 20 match, maybe Gretzky isn't so pumped for him to break his record and he tries to hurt digital Ovechkin to send a message? It could be. It could be. Um, well, I thought it was – my concern, though, is uh, this – according to the Washington Post, Scott Allen, this idea was spurned after Gretzky found – or Gretzky saw a video of Ovi playing video games with his son. And Gretzky thought that it would be a nice thing for the two of them to do to raise some money. My concern is it's clear that Ovi is an active gamer. How often does old Uncle Wayne get a chance to sit down and play some chell? Uh, he's going to be, be he's going to Milly Vanilli it. Oh, scandal. He's going to Milly it. He's got, he's got a rep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen. You think maybe like Ty Gretzky is going to be in the background somewhere playing for his yep. pops? Hell yeah. This is, yeah. Gotta, 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 make, gotta make Wayne look good. Gotta make Wayne look good. <laughs> and I also want to know which. If Ovi just beats him like 12 oh, nothing. 
Well, because that's the thing. Like, like he's going to want to prove a point. Like, the interesting thing about Ovi, right, is he wants to be the best so bad. So, like, he wants to be the best Russian, right? Like, so I I watch, like, he wants to be the best player, but, like, he also wants to be the best Russian. Because I remember watching a game, the Caps are playing the Pens, and um, Ovi was running around trying to murder Melkin. And I'm like, that's his boy. So I asked, I asked the guy who's connected to the team, and I'm like, why does Ovi keep running uh, Malcolm? He's like, oh, it's because he wants to be the best Russian. So he wants to like, he wants to show that he's stronger. He wants to take out his, you know, counterparts, and so that's why he'll go around and and, and, and do that. So he's a crazy competitive dude. But I mean, like, I feel, I feel like to get to where Ovechkin is at, same with Connor. You have to be crazy competitive and ultra. Like you will step on somebody's head to get to the next step, kind of thing. And I feel like the greatest of all time, those players, you have to be like that. 100%. Yeah, like I would love nothing more than Connor McDavid to run over and annihilate Austin Matthews. That would be amazing. Um, he does in spirit, though. Oh, he does. He does a lot of ways outside of just hitting him. He does psychologically on the scoreboard. You know, with the hardware, like he's winning the battle, but uh, amongst his own fan base, yeah, amongst his own fan base. One, one thing, like that, yeah, I, I, I felt like it was just, I was blown away. I didn't know it went this far. Is Gretzky doing this on behalf of the Edmonton Food Bank? Yeah, yeah. So, holy uh, fuck, that's yeah. unreal. Yeah, it's the best. Um, yeah, so Gretzky is working to raise some funds for the Edmonton Food Bank, whereas. Ovi has got feeding the front lines from Washington. So both guys sticking kind of um, in their playing cities, if you will. The o- we are so lucky to have guys like Wayne Gretzky come through our town and still support us. Well, that's what I was just and about to say. love Is uh, like, uh, you know, we, we give Daryl Cates a ton of love on this podcast, but there are portions of the fan base that don't like him. What he did to sort of get Wayne Gretzky back into the fold not just with the Oilers, but with the entire NHL. Like, there was a while there, and it wasn't talked about a lot, but there was a feud going. Wayne did really not want anything to do with the league, and there was a process in getting him back involved, not just with the Oilers, but with anything to do with the NHL. And it's been a really cool storyline to follow pretty much since that 16-17 playoff run, maybe a little bit earlier, of Wayne getting more involved back in front of the camera a little bit. Um, more involved back in Edmonton as well, like doing this for the Edmonton Food Bank. I, it's fascinated me, and it's heartwarming. Oh, it, just makes, it, it also really makes me miss playoff Gretzky, remember? Yeah. Like when oh. something would happen and you see him on TV, and he's he is feeling everything that all of us are feeling at that same moment. He was my spirit animal during the playoffs. Like, fuck, he got me going. The, gifts, the gifts were unreal. I have a bunch. I, speaking of gifts, I was uh, I was cleaning up my laptop because the old girl's starting to get a little bit full and run out of space. So I was cleaning up some of the old stuff, and I've got so many great playoff Gretzky gifts in a folder that I had just found that I hadn't seen forever. And there's literally something for every occasion. There's Happy Wayne. There's Dejected Wayne. There's visibly looking angry Wayne. I love it all. Uh, um. Moving to the next topic here, but sticking sort of on video games, I read an article the other day of a guy from Yahoo Sports who he basically created a team of all Mike Trouts. So the batting order was just a bunch of 99 overall Mike Trouts in the video game. 
but he also copied his pitching stats, which are just brutal because he's a position player trying to pitch. So it was a team of 99 overall hitting Mike Trout's, but then Mike Trout having to pitch for this team as well. He simulated a season and the team was like fucking terrible. They only won 14 of their 162 games. Um, And where I'm going with this, and it's a conversation I had uh, earlier this week as well, but what if we can even make this about real life? If you had a team of all Connor McDavid's, you had four lines, center, left wing, right wing, all Connor McDavid. Defense was six Connor McDavid's. You had three Connor McDavid's in the press box, but Connor McDavid also had to play in net with his current skill level. How good would that team do? I don't think they would do well. I no. think this is this is the uh, this is the Rangers in the late '90s, early 2000s, before the salary cap, when they could just throw nine million dollars at Bobby Halik. It's just I, you need a mix. You need a mix of dudes. And while the top 12 of all Connor McDavid's would be absolutely dominant, um, the defensive side of the puck and, of course, in net is where you would really struggle. Oh, but we would dominate possession. Like, right? if we have the puck, we will fucking dominate. But you could literally pull the, uh, who was it? Oh, Dougie ha- the Dougie Hamilton on Miko Koskinen maneuver on Connor McDavid and net like five times a game. Yeah, you'd be ripping clappers at Connor from everywhere. Yeah, so it, it would be high scoring because best believe Connor's going to fucking bring the offense. Though I also, now that I'm thinking about it, I also wouldn't be surprised if McDavid goalie Connor McDavid is also just as good because he is so competitive that he spends literally every waking moment practicing being a goaltender. And that's actually that's where the true. conversation eventually went was, Okay, preseason game one through five of the regular season, they would probably lose their games like 15 to eight and like 15 to nine and all that. But by like Christmas, January, Connor McDavid's work ethic, his God-given natural ability, his pure athleticism, how much better would he get? Like, would he drop his goals against average from say 15 to like nine by January? And then by like February, he'd be down to like six and you'd be winning games eight, six all of a sudden? And where this conversation, you know what? Yeah, right. Yeah, fuck. I didn't even think about that. If Connor McDavid, so because there's so many Connor McDavid's in this scenario, yeah. If you have a backup and a starter, both named Connor McDavid, that have the time, unencumbered time, to only focus on being a goaltender, you will have a good goalie. You will, yeah, you will have a you'll have a good enough goalie that the rest of the Connor McDavid's in front of you will 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 bring it home. I, I could just see I could see Connor like tinkering in his garage. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Repurposing one of those pitching machines to fire pucks at him, and he it's going for hours and hours and hours on end, so he can perfect the goaltending position as well. And uh, this conversation, like it, it has, it starts as just an absolute goof of an all Connor McDavid team because, like, you start to think of well, like the other team if they play dump and chase, Connor McDavid would be so good at retrieving pucks because you would have. Two Connor McDavid's always there before the four-checker because they're way faster. Two Connor McDavid's delivering cherry passes out of the zone. So it also brought up the question of if at this point, right now in his career, Connor McDavid decided, you know what? I'm done playing forward. The Oilers need a defenseman. I'm playing D. Would he be able to do what Dustin Bufflin and Brent Burns did and completely reinvent himself to become a defenseman? Like how good of a D-man would he be? Because he has... All this natural skill, the passing ability, the skating, jumping up in the rush. Could he be like an Eric Carlson? 
I'll tell you one thing. Nobody would ever beat him to an icing. Right? He'd be dangerous jumping Boy, up yeah. in the rush. He'd be dangerous passing out of his own end. Like, if you gave him a season to work on it, would Connor McDavid eventually be a top-pairing D-man is sort of the question. Yes. Yeah, yes. absolutely. I think so. This is a non-fucking starter. So, yeah. No, yeah. It, so, wh- where this comparison is different than, I guess, baseball is because pitching is a completely different beast. But even though fucking Trout's got a hose on him, too. so And that was the argument. Maybe he could be... So Maybe where could be a good pitcher, Tyler? Where did that team like in this scenario? Where did the Mike Trout team go wrong? Was it the pitching? It was. They would literally lose games. They would give up sixty runs in some games. Like they would just get killed in the pitching because this Mike Trout only could throw like an eighty mile an hour fastball and a seventy mile an hour changeup because that's all the game said he knew as a position player. Whereas in real life, I actually called the author of this. We had a, I did an interview with him, and he was like, in real life. The pitcher Mike Trout, there's 13 of them on the roster. They're all going to learn their own pitches. They're not just, they're going to eventually throw harder. They're eventually going to have strategy. They're eventually going to learn, you know, a slider or a curveball to mix things up. And that's where I think, like, just simming it on a video game is, like, so obviously vastly different from real life in this horrendously hypothetical situation um, where, like, Connor McDavid would eventually get better at playing defense throughout the year. Uh, Can I just say this (laughs) conversation is fucked? It is. It's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> it is absolutely. It just kind of reminds me too, like, yeah. Wait, well, well, what do you what do you think about Jose Bautista? He wants to come back as a pitcher. What? Yeah, man. He and he's like good too. Marcus Stroman like keeps going online. Apparently, Bautista's trying to become a two way player so he can help the Dominican Republic qualify in the World Baseball Classic or for the Olympics, I believe. Um, and he's like developed a low 90s sinker. He's got like a mid 90s fastball. And Marcus Stroman says Jose Batista is better than a lot of, or than some pitchers in the majors already. Like so these professional athletes, man, I think it, you know, LeBron James, I'm of the belief LeBron James could have made the NFL. He might have not been amazing, but that guy's work ethic, his natural abilities and his athleticism could have gotten him to the NFL if he wanted to. I just think with these high, high end athletes, they can almost do anything they put their minds to. It's been a while since we've seen a multi-athlete yeah. or a multi-sport athlete, too. Um, the most recent one like would Bo be... Like, Bo knows. Bo, Bo still knows. Fuck, I love Bo Jackson. Kyler Murray could have. I mean, he was a top 10 pick in the MLB, said no to the Oakland A's, and went first overhaul in the NFL to be a starting quarterback as a rookie. Um, but it just doesn't Rusty exist Williams. anymore. Yeah, Ru- Russ, Russell, uh, Russell Wilson. Home. There's a few Mahomes of them. Too. Yeah, Mahomes was a pitcher coming through. He could have probably gone pro. Like, I don't know. I think with the Connor McDavid, like, learning to play defense and all that, if people dismiss it, like, you just kind of need to think about it for five minutes and you go, you know what? I wouldn't bet against some of these elite athletes changing course. It, of all the people in the NHL that could learn another position, I believe Connor McDavid is the one that I would vote as somebody to do it. Yeah. Yeah. If he, if all of a sudden Connor just wakes up one day, let's say it's, uh, and he decides, you know what, I've won every trophy the NHL has to offer except a Norris. I want to go for it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against him. I might not bet on him, but you're right. I wouldn't be like, well, that's impossible. <laughs> like he might, he might yeah. just put up so many points that you couldn't ignore him. Like imagine him quarterbacking a power play, and he works on his slap shot a bit, and he's just got a cannon from back there. 
You know, it's, it's comical when you see Connor McDavid take a slap shot because yeah. not that it looks bad. It just, it just never happens. You're like, what, am, what, what is he doing with his body right now? Well, we were talking about learning new pitches. Wait till he adds that one into the old repertoire. Cause I feel like that's going to open up even more goals for the guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. If he can get going like dry has with that, like low bottom of the circles area, one timer, like if McDavid can perfect one of those dangerous 50 goal guy. It just oh, yeah. reminds it reminds me of when um, everybody said Crosby when he was just coming into the league he was only a passer and then he he's like no I'm gonna work on my shot work on my shot work on my shot and then he goes out and scores fifty yeah so especially using the blade he uses that fucking curve is disgusting <laughs> uh, <laughs> while we keep moving along gonna give some love to some of our sponsors obviously our friends over at Japa Machinery check them out on their Instagram at Japa Equipment and. The group over at Oodle Noodle, some fantastic charity stuff. We touched on it earlier in the week, Jay, but uh, how's everything going over at Oodle Noodle? Yeah, no, things are still going good. Um, you know, it's been, uh, ever since we made that announcement, it's been pretty well received. We've gotten uh, a lot of good feedback from it. So we're just pumped that we're able to kind of use, you know, leverage Oodle Noodle during this time to kind of help out the community. So, you know, we're just super appreciative. Uh, appreciate wow learn to speak jay uh appreciative of everyone's support uh to allow us to do this so now yeah, we're just going to keep on keeping on and our other sponsor nation beer uh i have heard that there is a duo heading up to slave lake right now to pick up batch number two and get it ready for deliveries yeah one one fourth of the real life podcast team is uh going up with uh jared uh our sales guy uh to slave lake right now to pick up the beer so what a what a could have made a movie about uh, the journey those labels had to go through to get to uh their final destination but a miraculous miraculously they showed up yesterday so they're canning they sent some videos today they, they took some videos today of the the beer beating can which is great so pre-launch has been uh, has been launched online. We also uh, are selling our, uh, I guess, they're originally playoff flags, but uh, now they're going to be just get back to normal Mission 2020 uh, community flags. Uh, made those available for sale with uh, with the, the beer purchase through Dog Island. And if you buy it through the site, then you save on shipping uh, because we are going to launch them on our store, but you got to pay like 10 or 12 bucks to get it shipped to you anyway. So, you know, it's another way to kind of get it to you for free so friday friday we're going to be going out and hitting the streets again uh which is tomorrow delivering beer and i can't wait because i love driving around the city um just quickly i forgot to order this time around where can i do it uh on the dog island website i think it's dogisland.com or .ca yeah, and dog then just click on yeah and then just click on um shop and then the first thing you see there is nation beer ah there we go and that'll get delivered slowly Sorry. Yeah, sorry. That'll get delivered to my house oh, yeah. again. That'll get delivered to your house again, and uh, we're slowly gaining traction. We're getting more and more liquor stores picking it up. We've uh, we've gotten to Lacombe, we've gotten to McClellan, McClellan, Alberta. We've gotten to Bonneville. We're getting sightings around Edmonton right now, which is super exciting. Um, Little Guy Liquor in Sherwood Park, they uh, they stepped up big time. They bought like twenty five or 20 flats right up from the get-go um so yeah i know it's kind of it's starting to kind of weave its web which is fantastic uh i'm super pumped to see 
and you know, I'm a big fan of the beer, so I'm going to keep yelling about it and drinking it uh, on social media as much as I can. Speaking of which, next Nation Happy Hour coming up tomorrow, which is Friday, and every Friday thereafter at 4.30 p.m. on the Oilers Nation Instagram, which is nation, double underscore O-N. Um, just fun, fun time to chat to people. Last week, I got to talk to the folks at Dog Island about the hilarious label mishap. Uh, we checked in with Tyler was there. Hi. Uh, I talked to I talked to young Coom this morning. Coom is going to try to be on tomorrow's episode as well, so... I'm excited about it. I look forward to it every week. And uh, now let's get let's end the show with our uh, let's end the show with our final segment. It's a new old segment that we're bringing back. It's kind of created for Chalmers. I feel like he'll be the king of this one. But let's keep it 100, boys. Let's uh, give some takes. Uh, Bag milk. Do you have one, or you want me to go first? Uh, you go first and inspire me, buddy. Okay. Well, I got two. Um, but I'll start with this one. All right. Right, I'm going to keep it 100 on golf returning. And this is a very, very touchy subject, but here's where I'm going to go with it. Why are people getting upset about it now? I looked outside multiple times today. You can't golf right now even if you wanted to. So everyone's fighting and yelling and saying that the government can't do it, the government should do it, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't even matter for like another month, really, until these golf courses can get into good shape. So to me, everyone right now is just arguing about absolute nonsense. I understand that people want to play golf. I want to play golf. I'm desperately looking to get some physical activity. But at the same time, it's not even a question right now because it's shitty outside. When it gets good outside, then maybe we could start talking about this and having a debate. But it seems like to me, this is just people fighting online for no good reason because it shouldn't even be a question right now. So I think when it comes to the golf topic... I'm going to keep it 100 and say everyone just needs to take a step back for like 30 days. I was actually surprised that uh, golfing was the hill a lot of people want to die on. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, like, I'm not a, I'm not a big golfer. I do enjoy golf. Uh, do you know what I mean? But like, I was really surprised the levels of outrage I was seeing on social media yesterday. It's a polarizing sport. And it's a rich white guy sport is what basic premises for some of the people that are angry. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. People are Jay, you're a, Jay, you're a golfer. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what do I think should be the decision? Or just in general about the whole thing. Well, everyone's just woke and triggered right now. So this mm-hmm. is just something, this is a topic that people in golf, just the victim, right? Like this is just the, the, the topic that can smoke out both sides. And they're just going to go to war with each other because people right now have been living in like a stress, uh, a stress situation ever since this pandemic uh, kicked off. So we're super heightened right now. So I'm not surprised to see that it could have been anything else, but golf is the uh, the sport we're going to beat up right now. You know, but I'm of the belief in whatever it may, maybe it's selfish intentions because I, I golf is, I would like to have it back and just put some rules around it uh, because there is so much distancing uh, to be had. And it's just a way to get outside. Like we have to keep remembering uh, about the whole mental health aspect of all this. Staying cooped up is not good for the mind. So, you know, getting outside and getting grounded with mother nature is a very, very uh, positive thing to have or to do so 
I don't have the mind to like figure it out and let's try. But obviously if someone gets sick then you have to stop it. But, uh, I, I don't see, I, 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 I can, I can understand both sides, but I can, I, I would more, more want to focus on like the humanitarian side of this in the sense of like, let's give this as an outlet for people to get outside and engage in some kind of activity, um, outside of just walking around their neighborhood aimlessly. Like I do every day, I'm already at 12,000 steps just cause I went, I had phone calls and walked around. Like it'd be a nice outlet to have. And also why I'd also beat the drum that if they could create the biodome in which the NHL could come and play back, play North Dakota or whatever it is, I would, I would beat that drum too, just because the whole mental health aspect of having sports back, uh, and to watch and to, you know, cheer for long winded answer. If I'm keeping it 100. <laughs> uh, do you either of you guys have one or am I going to get the, uh, the lone soapbox this week? If I'm keeping it 100, Tyler, Mm-hmm. I am tired of seeing all these fucking idiots that do not believe that there is something serious going on in the world right now yeah. and still choosing to go about their lives as though there's nothing going on, forcing those of us that are taking it seriously to extend our stays inside. If I'm being one, if I'm going to keep it 100, you fucking idiots need to stay inside so that we can reduce the overall length of time that we are stuck in our homes and not playing golf and not being able to do things like play slow pitch or hang out with our buddies or go, go to bars or go to restaurants or whatever you want to do. Listen, Tyler, I'm a single guy. You're moving in with a missus here soon. I'm trying to meet chicks right now. And if I'm keeping it 100, doing that is very difficult when I'm not allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> Accurate. Fantastic. Tremendous. Uh, Jay, do you got one? Yeah, I've got one. This is more for, so, you know, I'm involved with a few brands in the city and I like to rep them, but I also like to be aware there's other great businesses in our city and I like to support them as best as we can. And this one's more of a guilty pleasure, but if I'm keeping it 100, I need to tell Arby's to wake the fuck up and get on goddamn delivery so I can get you in my belly, in my quarantine life, in my house. Amen. Preach. I like that one. Do you you know how often uh, people from Mill Woods and Sherwood Park are sending me screenshots of their ability to order Arby's via delivery? And it is just, it's it's cutting the knife. It is just twisting it, or uh, cutting the knife, twisting the (laughs) knife in my broken, meatless soul. I live so close to an Arby's but I don't leave my house often and I would love nothing more than the ability for them to bring me those sweet, sweet meats. How can you deny it? It's, it's like, like with Oodle Noodle, like 90% of our business is delivery right now. So like, like just think about the opportunity. Get on board, Arby's. Wake up, Arby's. All right, there you go. That is, uh, that is keeping it 100 brought to you by Nation Beer. Uh, guys, th- I think that's going to do it for our Thursday edition. It was a shorthanded one, but uh, I-, I had a ton of fun. We got into some weird little rabbit holes on this one. So uh, lots of hockey talk, but it was good. Thanks for your time today, guys. Thank you. Everyone Thank you. stay safe. Yes, yeah, stay safe. For Japa Machinery, for our friends at Oodle Noodle, for Jay Bag Milk, I'm Tyler Rumchuk. Thanks for tuning in. This episode of Nation Real Life is over. Great job on making it through the entire hour of the Real Life Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.